You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit podcast, the POD cast. We are back after a brief holiday. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed your Memorial Days and, and maybe took a moment to, to think of the troops, uh, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, my name is Jeremy Rice, and by the way, I am filling in for the adequate host, uh, Chris Perfett. I almost said Chris Matthews. That was weird. Um, <clears throat> he's a, a host of an entirely different show. Uh, but, uh, he's off. He is, uh, I, I would say he has a day off, but he has the opposite of the day off. He is working his other job. Um, so we are do running a two man crew this week. Um, of course, with my co-host Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how are we doing today? Ready to play some hardball. <laughs> well done. Well done. Well done. You were sitting on that. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> So we are, have entered week two of OTAs here. They're about to get kicked off. Um, but we're going to take this week to kind of take a step back. We're going to kind of reflect on the offseason. It's been a crazy offseason, all things considered, for the Detroit Lions. So later in the show, we are going to kind of recap the offseason the only way that we know how, and that is with our superlatives. We're going to be talking about our favorite, least favorite, all sorts of other categories, um, reflecting on on the offseason moves that we did like, moves that we didn't like, moves that were surprising, moves that might pay off in the future, moves that might pay off now, all that sort of stuff. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, though, because before we get into that, there are some news items we want to talk about. We kind of want to use this first segment to recap everything that was going on last week. Um, we did have a uh, an OTA mini uh, podcast, and hopefully you caught that, where I kind of gave some observations from my time out there in Allen Park on Thursday. But... There's some residual stuff to kind of clean up now that uh, the dust has settled from that practice. So, Ryan, what do, do, do we want to talk? Do we want to just get the Tavai stuff out of the way since that seems to be the hot topic since Thursday? Yeah, I, th- I think it's most important that we start off talking about how Jelani Tavai has lost a lot of weight. Yes. Weight Watchers. That's that's what this pod. We're changing this podcast name to Weight Watchers. We're, we're also looking to get sponsored by literally anybody. So Weight Watchers, if you're listening. Uh, this is the Jelani Tavai segment where we talk about how the linebacker has lost 18 pounds. Yeah. That's, that's quite a bit of weight. Uh, who was, tr- I mean, he was, he was right up there close to 270 playing in Matt Patricia's scheme. You know, losing 18 pounds is quite a bit of weight. And, uh, it seems like Aaron Glenn is impressed with what he sees so far. And we talked a little bit about whether or not that's coach speak or, or whatever it may be, but I don't know. At, at, at the very least, it seems like Jelani Tavai is making every effort possible to be a productive member of this roster, right? Yeah. And and like he said, and, and other coaches have said, just his commitment to losing 20 pounds this offseason, that shows a lot already. That shows a buy-in. That shows an excitement level. That sh- shows dedication, um, you know, dedication to his craft, dedication to the game of football, all those sort of things. And I don't know, like... There's definitely a huge part of me that's skeptical about all this, right? Like that, July, we. I mean, the, the the main thing being that, I mean, the dude was 246 when he when he weighed in at his combine and, and, and his pro day, and all those slow stats that we that we saw his 40 time, his his splits, his uh, you know, his explosive drills, all those were bad at 246, and so he's not even back there yet. He's at 247. So is he going to be a transformed player? No, I don't think he is. I, I don't, I, but I also don't think Aaron Glenn's the type of coach that's going to feed you BS. I just don't. You listen to the way he talks, you listen to the, the way he carries himself. He says he doesn't give, you know, the players BS. And so, I mean, maybe he does with the, the media, but I don't know. I, I tend to believe him when he says, quote, to be as big as he is, he can move fairly well. 
that was good to see a man of his size that can move like that then his ability to bend and get out of cuts that was pretty impressive i believe him when he says that i and and more importantly i believe that he's going to fit in this defense much more than he did in the defense under matt patricia oh okay well i wasn't willing to double down like that but i was willing to at least say we'll wait and see like this is one of those times where i think johnny tavai has earned himself an opportunity for a second impression and yeah. I think that that's something that <clears throat> I mentioned this on our, I think it was our quick little Twitch chat or maybe even the locker room uh, conversation that we had on Saturday. But Jared Davis got opportunity after right. opportunity and everybody was willing to say, this is the year. This is the year for Jared Davis. You know, it, it wasn't the Jim Caldwell, you know, um, uh, Tara lost in defense like that wasn't for Jared Davis. You know, Matt Patricia is going to be the one who comes in and he's the linebackers guy and he'll, well, that never came to fruition. But right. um I think Jelani Tavai, at least he deserves a he deserves a chance to at least fill, fill a role. Like, I, I don't think anybody is coming into the expectations with Tavai is going to drop this weight and all of a sudden he's going to be a starter who's, you know, playing a ton of snaps every every game. He's going to be a situational player. Right. But at least maybe he can be a productive guy while he's on the field rather than, you know, some of the blunders we've seen from Tavai over the course of his young career. Well, yeah, I, I think. Two weeks ago, a decent case could be made that Tavai had no chance of making the 53-man roster. Yeah. Now I think there's a chance. I, now I think there's a path. Again, I, I'm with you. I don't think this guy is headed towards the starting role. Maybe maybe some sort of, you know, um, rotational role, something like that. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think now he, he's got a legitimate shot. He's, he's clearly made a good impression on the coaches already. And... Now he, he's not going to, I think maybe one of the key things that the people are overlooking that, that Glenn said, other than all the weight stu stuff, is that he's not going to be playing the edge anymore. Like he's, he's purely offline, off ball linebacker now. And, and you know, he, he spent some time at off, off ball with, with Matt Patricia. And when you have a 268 pounder playing off ball linebacker, that's a problem. But yeah. that's not a problem that the lines <laughs> are going to have anymore because they got yeah. a guy that, that's, Within a, an acceptable range, I still think they probably prefer their guys more in the Derek Barnes, um, you know, look of, of 230, 235, 238, whatever, and, and sideline to sideline speed, which Tavai, again, is not, but he's going to have a fighting chance now. And if the front four, the front three, however many people they have on that front line are as disruptive as they want him to be, well, then Tavai's got a good chance to, like, play cleanup crew. Like, he's never been a poor tackler, in my opinion. And... Um, he won't have to, you know, overread everything like everyone in Matt Patricia's system would did where they had a billion things going on in their head and couldn't focus. He's just going to go out there, wait for the play to come to him and, and make some tackles. And I think that's something that he could potentially do. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Get him more comfortable in that role that they talked about um, playing that stack linebacker, right? Yep. That he that he did at Hawaii. So, <laughs> you know, see ball, get ball kind of thing. So. All right. Weight Watchers segment over. Thanks to our non-sponsors, Weight Watchers. Uh, let's move on to um, attendance. Everyone loves attendance. Uh, roll call at OTAs week one. Really, um, you know, I, I think one of the, the things that the coaching staff can hang their hat on is despite all the unhappiness with all the players at the NFLPA about, um, you know, voluntary workouts and, and the safety in terms of COVID, the Lions had over 80 people show up. But there were some big names that weren't there. And let's focus on that for the time being. Uh, Michael Brockers was not there. Jamie Collins was not there. Tyrell Crosby was not there. There were a couple others um, as well, but those are the three big names. Brockers, according to Dave Burkett, will return this week to OTAs week two. was dealing with some family stuff. Um, we're not sure about Jamie Collins. And then there's Tyler Crosby and Tyrell Crosby. Uh, and there's no confirmation on whether this has anything to do with this trade, but it does feel a little bit too much of a coincidence. Yeah, it does seem like a quinkadink, right? Like, I mean, the yeah. guy isn't there for the first week of OTAs. He seems like a guy who would be there. Right. Um, you know, uh, from all accounts, like a hard worker, everybody's favorite swing tackle, Tyrell Crosby. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think there's a little bit too much smoke here for there not to be fire. And, you know, maybe this is them just, you know, fielding the you know fielding offers kind of you know feeling out whether or not they can find an adequate spot because you know i'm with eric schlitt and eric is a big proponent of tyrell crosby is awesome depth he's a guy that you should not trade pretty much by any means like unless you're getting an out of this world offer for him like eric's like 
they'll keep Tyrell Crosby. I'm more so of the belief where it's like, you know what, if you can get like a fifth rounder or even like maybe even a sixth rounder, like if it's just something that can help you down the line, whereas Tyrell Crosby is going to be a free agent this, you know, this upcoming um, offseason, you know, maybe it's best to see what you can get for him. Um, because, you know, tackle depth isn't, I mean, yes, it's it's something that is a concern for any NFL team as you progress through the season. But the Lions have other tackles that they can throw out there. And I, I I'm still, though, like, I mean, I, I would rather have Tyrell Crosby on my team than not on my team. Um, but I think it's right of the Lions to at least like if he doesn't factor into their future plans, why not see what you can get for him? Yeah. And I, I think it's first of all. When you said I'm with Eric Schlitt, all I pictured was a T-shirt that said I'm with Eric Schlitt and like an, an arrow pointing in one direction. <laughs> Felt like I had to get that out. But um, with Tyrell Crosby, yeah, I think I think I'm somewhere in between b- between you guys. Like I, I understand the importance of, a, of of having that third offensive tackle that, that can start. Maybe the Lions think they already have that. Maybe they think Tyrell Crosby, maybe they've already talked to him about an extension and he's asking, he's like, I want to, you know, test things out. I want a chance to, to start. And that's clearly not going to happen here. And so they're like, okay, well, let's start talking trade because, I mean, we've all talked about how 2021 is is a rebuilding year. No one's expecting anything. So you're right. Like, if you can go out and get something for him, great. I, I, I doubt you can get anything better than a fifth. Maybe that value goes up in the middle of the season if you want to hold him on to the trade deadline. Um, maybe a team like, you know, what happened to the Chiefs, maybe, maybe a contender has something like that happen to their offensive tackles. But mm-hmm. um, I... In terms of his attendance here, I, I don't think it's a coincidence here. I'd be very surprised if it was just like, oh, you know, I was, you know, at, at my sister's wedding or something. You know, doesn't seem likely. It seems way too much of a coincidence. And as someone in our live chat pointed out, um, there was a, a photo gallery of just a workout today, not not technically an organized team activity on field. And Tyrell Crosby was not part of that fa- photo gallery. So I think it's fair to say that he's probably sitting it out. The the I guess the important date is next week when mandatory minicamp comes. And so if he doesn't show up for mandatory minicamp, which he could potentially get fined for not showing up to, then we know we got a problem on our hands, a, a big problem where yeah. uh, he'll, he'll essentially have forced the lion's hand. I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe right now, if I'm, if I'm a gambling man, which I've been known to, to be here and there, I would say that probably Tyrell Crosby and Brad Holmes have something worked out right now where it's like, you know what? If you don't want to be here, I wouldn't I wouldn't show up if you, if you don't want to be here because we're trying to work things out on our end. And when mandatory minicamp starts, if they haven't reached an agreement with any team to, to send Tyrell Crosby anywhere, I, I would be I would be really shocked if he wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would be, too. He doesn't seem like the type that would uh, rock the boat too much. But, you know, when you <laughs> when a team says, hey, you're on the trading block, you'd be like, all right, well, then I'll just start working out by myself. Like, I, I, yeah. I get that, I guess. Sure. Um. All right, let's move on from Tyrell Crosby. Do we want to even touch on Todd Gurley? I feel like we've kind of talked enough about Todd Gurley. Any any closing thoughts really quick on Todd Gurley? I mean, the Lions have not signed him at this point, and it's it doesn't appear that necessarily they're going to at this point, unless unless they're waiting for something. Yeah, it seems like it gets more and more strange by the day where if they were going to have an agreement hammered out, it seemed like they would maybe have gotten things done by now. Like, right. I, I have we heard anything else about him visiting with any other teams? It seems like really only the Lions that he, you know, came and had a had a visit at Allen Park and he left without a contract. So I I, I think with each passing day that Todd Gurley isn't signed, it's it, it gets weirder and weirder. And yeah. um, it, it's almost like go visit somewhere else. So, like, we can <laughs> stop talking about Todd Gurley coming to Detroit, <laughs> which I don't have a problem with. Um uh, I, I, we've talked, you know, we've talked this Todd Gurley thing to death, but I think the place where I'm at right now is like, if you want to sign him, just go do it. Have him be RB three and just, I'm, I'm cool with it. If, if that's what we want to happen. Yeah. And I guess, I guess it's worth pointing out that Todd Gurley tweeted out afterwards, um, literally Thursday night from the Detroit Metro airport. Like what a great airport trip. Uh, met up with a bunch of good friends and things and yada, yada, yada. Um, but yeah, now now we're recording this on a Tuesday, four or five days later. Um, nothing has happened. As you said, Gurley, as I mentioned, hasn't uh, uh, visited any other place and it looks like just in a holding pattern. But I think the reason why we can probably move on from the Todd Gurley saga here 
is because the Lions did fill up the 90th spot on the roster on Tuesday morning when they signed defensive tackle Brian Price, former Packer, former Cowboy, former Jaguar. I think there's another team in the Browns. Mm-hmm. Um, undrafted guy, but has played a little bit in this league about four or five years. He he had a season which he played about 14 games, 300 so snaps at defensive tackle. Mostly a nose tackle guy. Um, I, I, I mean, seems I, I, I hate throwing around the term camp body because um, I feel it's it's kind of disrespectful to the player himself. And and, you know, you bring a player in for a reason, but nose tackle is going to be a tough spot to to really climb any climb the depth chart at um, because obviously the Lions drafted Liam McNeil. Um, Aaron Glenn even mentioned John Penasini in his press con- or in his little press um, yeah, conference or whatever. Um, so I, I think I think he likes the two guys that they got there. And, and even carrying two is que- is questionable. Are they going to carry two nose tackles? Maybe. Um, but three is almost certainly no. So any any thoughts on on Joel Heath and or I'm sorry on Brian Price and and his uh, chances of making the roster? Yeah, I I think the one thing that um you know you talked about Brian Price the journeyman who's yeah. really made pit stops just about in every division you can find in the NFL is that he does have experience with uh, Lions defensive line coach Todd Wash from you know the time that he spent in Jacksonville, um so. Maybe there's that level of familiarity and, and, and comfort with, you know, getting a guy that, you know, and you've coached a little bit. I think we're all really sold on Ali McNeil because of his draft slot and, you know, him just being highly touted third round pick a guy, you know, a lot of people gave second round buzz to definitely going to be a part of the roster with without a doubt. And while they've talked about John Penasini, like he was a six round pick and. Right. You know, I, I think they're going to keep two nose tackles. I, I do agree with you. Like three is probably a stretch, but maybe there's a way Brian Price works his way onto the roster and literally has to like work his way onto the roster because he's, you know, he he's joining uh, an already crowded room. So maybe, maybe a chance. I don't know. Outside shot. Yeah. And I mean, he's a guy who, like you mentioned, Todd Wash has coached him. He knows what to expect out of him and and maybe he's he's a quote-unquote veteran even though he hasn't played a ton in the nfl he mm-hmm. has been in the nfl for four years which means he knows the ins, ins and outs of being on a team ins and out of practice ins and out of working with todd wash so um even maybe just having that veteran experience for a guy like john Penasini who's in his second year a guy like lee mcneil who's in his rookie season maybe that that in itself is, is worth it for the lions oh yeah absolutely i think so um, last note on him, really quick too, is that um, uh, John Dorsey also signed him when the when the Browns were when he went to the Browns. So another another mini connection there. Connections, connections, connections. All right, we're gonna wrap up the first segment there. When we come back, off season superlatives. We're gonna slow things down, kind of reflect on everything that's happened since really even before January. We're gonna reflect all the way back until the moment in which. Uh, Matt Patricia was uh, fired. We're not going to talk about Matt Patricia and his meteoric rise at New England. Uh, we're going to let let our friends at Pat's Pulpit talk about How that. How dare and... you? <laughs> who <laughs> <Anyways>. cares? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> when we come back, off-season superlatives. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more 
and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back on the POD cast. My name is Jeremy Reisman, filling in for Chris Perfett this week as the adequate host. Uh, we did a little week, OTA week one recap at the top. Now let's just back things up, talk about the offseason. It's been long. It's been eventful, uh, been busy. Let's pump the brakes here before we hit um, a major snag in the offseason where not much is happening and just reflect. And we're going to do that using superlatives because we love superlatives it's it's radio fodder it's podcast fodder and it's fun it's fun because you guys can give your own answers at home and we want to hear them so when you're listening to this i want you to scream it out as loud as you can i don't care if you're at work in traffic at home trying to go to bed with this podcast scream it as loud as you can sound good that that sounds phenomenal yell so loud that our dogs will hear it (laughs) All right. First up on the off-season superlative list. Best long-term decision. Ryan, you came up with a lot of these, so I'm going to give you first crack at this one. I don't want to upset you from the start. I don't want to upset the listeners from the start. I know this is a touchy, sensitive subject. Just hit the 15-second skip button, everybody. You don't want to hear it. If you don't want to hear it, Here's your opportunity to skip ahead, but it is trading Matthew Stafford. I think that that was the best long-term decision that the Lions made this offseason. And let's talk about it, right? Let's talk about a guy who's 33 years old, has missed significant time with injuries over the past couple of seasons. I think that when it comes to Matthew Stafford and his time with the Lions, like it's something that I'm always going to look back on and be be happy with like 2016 was one of my favorite seasons of being a sports fan, not even just being a football fan, but like 2016 was one of my favorite seasons just watching sports. And that was all due to Matthew Stafford. It was game winning comeback after game winning comeback. Now, with that being said, I think that it just made a lot of sense for a team that was re-entering a rebuild, whether or not, you know, Brad Holmes wants to call it that. I think that it was really important for the Lions to move on. Who knows? I mean, it remains to be seen whether or not Jared Goff was a good decision, but I think trading Matthew Stafford and getting a couple of first round picks, getting a third round pick, I think I think the Lions did good. I, and I think like this was probably the peak at which you could trade Matthew Stafford and still get that kind of a return because look at like what Carson Wentz fetched. You know what yeah. I mean? So... I think that was the best long-term decision that the Lions made this offseason. As much as it pains me to say it, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I can't oh come up with a better answer God. than, I mean, it, in a move that nets you two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and a quarterback that'll, that'll bridge the gap, I mean, that's, that's a great move. It's a great move to start a new regime. It makes a ton of sense, and, and I, I, we can't give the Lions all the credit for it because Matthew Stafford was the one that kind of you know, jump started and, and would, would Brad Holmes have done that if, if Matthew Stafford was just sitting there and fine? No, probably not. Um, right. but, but the Lions handled that just about as well as they've handled anything in franchise history, right? Like there, there's not, there's not really many times when you can just be like, wow, Lions kind of nailed that. And I know there are some people who thought maybe they should have taken a different offer, whether it's the Panthers or, or whoever, but Overall, the Lions handled that with dignity. They got a heck of a return, I think, and they're, they're better off for it in the long term. No question about it. But in the effort of being different, I will uh, say a different one. I do think, and it wasn't this wasn't a move I was actually that big of a fan of at the time, but now that I've had time to kind of digest it and see how it all played out, I think adding Chris Spielman to the front office was one of the best long-term decisions that they made because I think when we were all kind of wringing our hands when the GM search was going on, right, like, Jesus, like, we, we just got done with the Fords doing a half-ass search. Rod Wood looks like he's running the show right now. Who's going to make this decision for the general manager? Chris Spielman steps in and brings a sense of legitimacy, and he, he brings in NFL connections. I mean, he's a guy who's been on Fox forever and doing all these interviews. He knows everyone in the NFL, and I think the Lions GM search was one of the most thorough things that they've done in a long time. It was certainly more thorough than the last time they looked for it for a GM. And uh, I think they did a a fantastic job of it. And 
who knows what he's going to continue to do in the, in the front office. Kind of sounds like he has his hand in everything, which can be a good thing, can be a bad thing. But the fact that he got in there and and really steadied the ship when they were at the, its most vulnerable, I think, um, really provides me with with a lot of short term and long term kind of comfort. Definitely better than Ernie Acorsi. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. All right. We did best long-term decision. So what do you think is coming next, chat? Why don't you yell it out right now? Yeah, that's right. Best short-term short term decision. I don't know when this turned into Dora the Explorer. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> best short-term decision. <laughs> I'm going to start first. Go ahead. I think the, the best short-term decision was not splurging in free agency. Um, the Lions decided short-term, we're going to take all the cap hit now. We're and and in in terms of dead cap, we're going to release all these guys, and in the short term, we're just going to get a bunch of guys on one year deals. That way, I mean, it, it's a perfect scenario both for these players and the lines. They're not hooked to them long term. Um, they're getting guys that are hungry that that have everything to prove. So they're going to give them everything they've got this year. And like I said, it's it's not going to keep the lines on the hook for a long time. A lot of these guys come with. You know, big questions, injury questions, you know, end of end of their career questions, whether they still got it, that sort of thing. And so the Lions are giving them what they need, which is an opportunity to start. And they're giving the Lions what they need, which is potentially, you know, high ceiling play at a cheap rate. And I think that's really smart in the short term. And I, I think we, we could see it pay off in, in 2021. Like if all of these guys tend to hit their ceiling, like. Maybe the lines, like we said in, in the uh, locker room podcast, maybe they can hit that kind of 500 ceiling that they have. If it doesn't, who cares? It, no, nothing long-term lost either. So it's kind of both best short-term and long-term decision for me. Yeah, no, no harm, no foul there, right? I mean, yeah. I think that the Lions did a really good job in their approach in, in free agency as well. Um, but my best short-term decision that the Lions made, oh boy, not franchise tagging Kenny Galladay. I think that that could have been a really, really sticky situation because look at the way that the wide receiver market played itself out. And for a team that is at the, you know, it's at the very genesis of a rebuild, I think spending a lot of money on a free agent or potential free agent wide receiver is not really the way to go about doing that. So, you know, Brad Holmes could have been pressured into doing that. Um, whether or not, because it, it couldn't have maybe just been like a strictly football move. And I think we all agree that Kenny, Gall- Kenny Galladay is really, you know, an impressive wide receiver. He's a talented wide receiver. But at the same token, you look at this Lions roster. Who are the guys that they're going to put on the side of Ford Field? You know what I mean? Just from like a marketing strategy, like yeah. there there really are no like faces of the franchise anymore. Like gone are the Glover Quinns and gone are the Matthew Staffords and gone you know, gone is Marvin Jones as well. So, I mean, Kenny Galladay could have been one of those things. It's like, well, this team still needs like an identity and we need to be able to like sell the fans on something. So bring him back. But, you know, the Lions were smart and not franchise tagging Kenny Galladay, not having, a, you know, a super because that would have also really affected their approach to the rest of the offseason as well. Because, I mean, you're talking about a franchise tag that would have been in the neighborhood of. Gosh, how much was it, Jeremy? It was something like 17.3 or something like that. Yeah, it was like 17 ish million dollars. So, I mean, that would have been a significant hit to their cap. So I think one of their best short term decisions that they made all off all off season long was not franchise tagging Kenny Galladay. Uh, during during you talking, I heard some people yelling out some answers and long term. A lot of people um, were, were yelling out the best long term decision was was Frank Ragnow. A lot of people were saying the best short term decision was Don Muehlbach. Keep, keep them coming. Keep yelling them into the ether, everybody. But now we're going to move on to a couple <laughs> negative things. Uh, yeah. Most painful point in the offseason that isn't Matthew Stafford related. I'm yeah, throwing right I, back to you. Yeah, let me let me take this one. And I think that I can speak for quite a few people, yourself included. But it was painful to watch the Lions just rush the card in again at number seven. I'm really happy with the Panay Sewell pick. Like, those things are not mutually exclusive. Like I, I can, I can, I can be torn that the lions didn't move back and accumulate more draft capital at the very beginning of a rebuild. And I can be happy that they drafted Pinay but I was just a little torn up that, you know, the lions, it seemed like they were right there at the right spot to trade back. And it didn't happen. And it was just one of those for me, 
I think that was the most painful point in the offseason where it was like, yes, like it can happen. Like there, there's players that they can get and it didn't happen. And it's just like, yeah. damn it. And honestly, like hearing Brad Holmes talk about it afterwards didn't help. At least it didn't help me. That That's a great point, too. Yeah, because <laughs> it seems like he had his mind set on Sewell from the beginning and just whether it was, you know, his first NFL draft and he just wanted to make sure he got one of his guys or or whatever it was, he seemed hell bent on Penny Sewell. And listen, having confidence in your pick, there's nothing wrong with that. But you also have to be open to either other options or open to admitting, like, maybe you're going to get this wrong, one wrong. You, you, you can never be 100 percent certain. And so, I mean, I don't, you don't need to hear me bang the drum for for trading down, even though you're spoiler, you're going to hear me do it a little bit later as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think part of the reason that made it more painful, maybe maybe not so much at the time, although I I was frustrated when I saw that, like they, they ran what, like four minutes off the 10 minute clock where everyone else was running it down to, to two minutes later. It was just like. Just 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 hang on to the phone a little bit longer, maybe maybe that dream offer is is waiting until the five minute mark and you know he he called Penay Sewell before he was supposed to he was supposed to give yeah. him a minute and that's how excited that was and that sort of eagerness is is both exciting and a little bit frustrating so i'm with you there yeah but what about for you for me it came a little bit later on that exact same day and nothing set in stone at this point like i can't i can't say like Penay Sewell it might or might not be a, a success story and then come out and say, well, Justin Fields is going to destroy the Lions for the next 300 years. I'm sure of it. But to see a lot of Lions fans be in that boat where they wanted Justin Fields and then see him go to the Chicago Bears, it's kind of painful. It was kind of painful. And and not even from a standpoint where I believe in Justin Fields or I thought the Lions should have drafted Justin Fields. Just knowing that now that is going to be a storyline for the next five years that's the Lions made yeah. a mistake in not only drafting Justin Fields, but letting him slip to the Chicago Bears. Now that is just something that we're oh, uh, it's going to be. It could potentially be the move like Eric Ebron and Aaron Donald that just like sticks in this fan base. Like it's something that people might not ever forgive um, general manager for. And I don't I'm, again, I'm, I'm not saying I think that's going to happen. But now now that has been put in everybody's brain, right? That. The, the cards fell in, in, in the worst possible fashion if that's the, the timeline that we're living in, and that's, that's sad. I don't want to think about the Bears doing something good and the Lions doing something bad. Never. Never do you want to do that. Ever. Yeah. <clears throat> but who knows? I mean, the last time the Bears traded up for quarterback, we all know what happened. So, Good point. Very good all right. point. Another semi-negative one. Um, actually, we got, we got three negative ones, and we're going to bounce back to positive ones. Uh, move you wish the Lions would have made this offseason. Okay, yeah, let me grab this one, because I think that we were all talking ourselves into it because we saw the connection. We we were almost like reading the tea leaves, maybe a little bit too intensely, but there was also like some reports that the Lions were interested in this guy. Um, I believe like Benjamin Albright like said that um, you know, not necessarily saying that Lions um, had interest, but he like thought like that just seemed like it made a lot of sense because it made a lot of sense to a lot of people. John Johnson, the third, not signing with the Detroit Lions and signing instead with the Cleveland Browns, um, especially like after the details of the contract came out three years, 33, um, almost 34 million dollars, um, 24 million dollars guaranteed. But I mean, for maybe who might be in that conversation for the best safety in the entire league. Uh, I know that PFF ran there. Um, they're running like their uh, top 32 at each position um, on their uh, 2021 NFL season preview. And uh, I, I believe it was Sam. Yeah. Sam Monson. He had John Johnson, the third at number three in the NFL um, in terms of safety. So, I mean, an incredible talent, a guy who, you know, played was drafted by Brad Holmes and company. And a spot that the Lions just have not really addressed all yeah. offseason long is safety. So um, I think for me that that stands as the uh, the move that I wish he's the guy who got away, Jeremy. He is. And I think as we saw the offseason kind of move on, we we understood why. Um, it the made lines sense, are, right? The, the lines are pretty tight against the cap the entire time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, I think I think maybe in an alternate universe in which the Lions maybe trade with the Panthers instead of the, the Rams in, in the 
you know, Matthew Stafford trade and, and don't take on a big contract like Goff's. Maybe they work something out where they have the cap room to to get a guy like John Johnson. But with with the direction that they took that was really kicked off by that that trade with with the Rams, I think the Lions didn't really have a choice. But but I'm with you. Like even even at the time, I think we were all like, this is something that it makes it, it still makes a lot of sense. They they could certainly format the contract in a way in which it would be doable. It, it'd be tricky, but it, it was doable. So. I'm I'm definitely surprised that it didn't happen. Not not too torn up over it, but I but I do think they they need to do something at the safety position, and that <laughs> yeah. that would have been a, a great way to add a guy that knows what he needs to do. Um, would would lock up the position for years, and and he'd be pricey, but he'd be, he I think he would have been worth it. Be pricey, but also a guy that could grow with the rebuild, right? Like he isn't yeah. a guy who's like yep. in his thirties. He's also right. not like too young but he's like right there at like the prime of his career he could really like grow into you know i i, I just like kind of saw him as being like glover quinn 2.0 like <laughs> that that player on defense that everybody loves uh i'm not going to talk too much about my answer because it's trade down in the first round and we, we just there. talked about it done that my, I did say my my second option is is trade Stafford to the Panthers, which I think would but it would have been an in, intriguing option. I I'm not saying it's better or worse. I in 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 general, I I rather have more picks than than higher picks, which mm-hmm. might not make a ton of sense to a lot of people. But I I think I think I'm I'm with it. Like I rather have two first round picks than the eighth overall pick. That's just yeah. how I feel, especially yeah. with where the lines are at. Mm-hmm. And you know, I wouldn't have minded the quarterback that the Lions were going to get in return. Big old Teddy. All right. Uh, one more before we head to our first break. Then we're going to we're, we're not done. We've got plenty more superlatives to go. But the last one will. And it's another it's another kind of negative one. But don't worry, we'll turn things around here in the final segment. The move that has you still scratching your head. I'll start first. Yeah, me first. And the gaming gamies. Not re-signing Matt Prater. I don't get it. Why? <laughs> Why? Matt Prater signed a two-year contract with the Arizona Cardinals. Do you know what his cap hit is this year? What is it? $2 million. You can fit that. That's not too much. It bumps up to $4.5 That's still not that much. What are you doing? We had something good going. He wanted to be here. He was fine. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't as at his best last year, but the dude still kicked a 58-yard game winner. The dude can still boot the crap out of the ball. And you got a player that wants to be here that's not... I mean, he was probably willing to take a discount, right? Like, he's not that expensive anyways. But you have to imagine, given, like, he had fam. I mean, he said it. Like, I have family here. Detroit feels like home again. Like, yeah, I want to be here. I want to be... Like, I don't mind being part of a rebuild. Whatever it is. And he goes off and, and, and signs a very small contract with the Arizona Cardinals. And you're just like, nah, we'll just we'll just get some guy who can't kick anything past 52 yards. What? I don't get it. Yeah. It, you know, I think that's a great answer. It's honestly better than my answer. Um, I'm not going to co-opt it, so I'll give you a different answer. Okay. Uh, the move that has me still scratching my head is releasing Carrion Johnson. Okay. And I think at the time, I wasn't really scratching my head because I think things seemed to make sense. It was like, okay, Jamar Jefferson in the seventh round, but... They clearly view him as a potential, you know, RB3. They signed Jamal Williams. They have DeAndre Swift. They have three running backs. Great. But then when Todd Gurley comes to visit, it's like, I, I, but I, but he was, you just had, what's going on? Like, why release Carrion Johnson if you're going to bring in a guy who, it, it, on his good day, like, can maybe do some of the things that Carrion Johnson could do really well? And that's, Pass protect, like, I mean, it's well documented how good of a pass protector he is. If you want a rotational guy who, you know, can maybe, maybe, you know, handle the workload in case things go sideways with DeAndre Swift or or Jamal Williams, and you can't really trust a a rookie running back in that situation and Jamar Jefferson. Um, yeah, so that that's kind of the move, like that, just leaves me scratching my head with the Todd Gurley information in mind. Ryan, I'm going to solve this whole thing for you and, and ease your worries. Do it. The Lions brought in Todd Gurley to be the youngest running backs coach in the NFL. <laughs> Boom. Deuce Staley's on the line. Deuce. 
Well, that'd be crazy, though, right? I mean, they former players, right? Like, there we go. No one, no one's knocking on Todd Gurley's door to play football. So, hey, why don't you come in here and coach the team? He needs an assistant. Deuce Staley needs an assistant running backs coach. There you go. I this just makes so much sense now. <laughs> what the Lions are actually doing, Brad Holmes is a trailblazer. Not only has Dan Campbell assembled a coaching staff full of former players, but now they are going to start employing players to be players. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm not scratching my head anymore. There you go. You're welcome. All right. Thank you. With that, that, we'll take a break. When we come back, more offseason superlatives as we break down the happenings of the Lions offseason. And then next week, we will look forward to mandatory minicamp and all things of that nature thrown back to Jim Caldwell. Anyways, we'll be right back on the POD cast. here closing out the pod cast finishing off with some more off-season superlatives we're talking about our favorite least favorite and a whole bunch of other things about the lines very busy off-season this year let's move on to our next superlative we just got done talking about some negative things let's move back over to the positive and say and our next superlative is the point in the off-season when you drank the most kool-aid ryan your answer i wanted to steal but I, I knew you were going to have this one because I remember just how pumped you were when this happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't just sipping Kool-Aid at that point. I was um, pouring it down my gullet. Well, two-handed action. Like a young Stone Cold Steve Austin. I was all about the hiring of Aaron Glenn. And I think for, for a couple of reasons. One, just who he is as a coach. Okay, so I mean, you're getting a guy who was at the, he was at the lead of that, renaissance that the new orleans saints defensive backs had he was a guy who was a candidate for head coaching jobs and he ends up coming to detroit to be the defensive coordinator so for one it was just a slam dunk hire because he's an awesome coach the second thing that it signaled to me was like oh dan campbell's going to be able to put together a staff like dan campbell's got hella connection dan campbell's going to put a good one together and it all really started with that aaron glenn signing where i was like yep the guy the guy's going to be able to do it yeah, that leads perfectly into my uh, moment of Kool-Aid consumption. And that is, it actually came from Dan Campbell's press conference, introductory press conference, but it wasn't Dan Campbell who said it. It was actually out of the words of Rod Wood, of all people, um, that, that had me drinking the Kool-Aid. And that was when he was referring to Dan Campbell in a conversation he had with Saints general manager, Mickey Loomis. He said, quote, uh, this is Loomis saying through Rod Wood's, Quote, Dan is the kind of head coach that coaches are going to Detroit and want to be on his staff. Now, I remember when the Lions hired Dan Campbell. I was not necessarily the most excited. I, I, I actually looked back today um, at an article I had written after, uh, actually right before, it was, it was entitled something like, what do you, if, if the Lions hire Dan Campbell, I will blank. And I said, be patient. Because I wasn't thrilled about it. Because I didn't know a lot about the guy. I knew he was going to be the rah-rah type, but I didn't know what he was going to do with the on-field product. I didn't know what sort of schemes he would build. And so my philosophy was, let's just wait and see what kind of staff he builds. And it turns out that became mega important because it does seem like he has his hands off the scheme and is letting those coaches coach. And yeah, I'm excited about the staff that he built because yeah, it turned out to be right. There were some other teams looking for some of these guys. Stu Staley was a hot commodity. The Lions got him. Aaron Glenn, hot commodity. The Lions got him. Yep. And, and, and they just continue to roll like with, with former players, with guys that, that are, you know, have their arrow pointing up. You know, Aubrey Pleasant is another guy who has his arrow pointing up. And, you know, you, you can say what you will about Anthony Lynn, but now the Lions have a guy who's got head coaching experience that can help Dan Campbell along the way. Yeah. The Lions staff was fantastically put together and yes it's all theoretical at this point yes we're, we're kind of just hyping new guys that that haven't proven themselves at least in detroit but a lot of these guys come with really good pedigree a lot of these guys were highly sought after and they came to the detroit lions who just traded away their franchise quarterback 
and are clearly a year or two away from even competing for the division. That speaks volumes for Dan Campbell and, and Rod Wood warned us that was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It just, I mean, an absolute home run with all of the hires that he made. So, but <laughs> that leads into our next offseason superlative, Jeremy. Yeah. Let's let's do the the opposite. The point in the offseason where your hand was hovering over the panic button. And I feel like you just did a really good job of describing it, but it was like the hiring of Dan Campbell. Yeah. You know, I think that there was a lot of and rightfully so, there was a lot of importance being heaped on that decision and where the Lions were going to head in their next direction when it came to a rebuild. And it seemed like they needed to get this hire right for not only the rebuild, but also to kind of cleanse everybody's palate from the coaching staff that they just had to let go. Right. And it was really important that the Lions got this right on multiple fronts. Like they needed a guy who was awesome in terms of his outward facing persona, and they needed to get a guy who was going to turn the product around on the field. I was a fan of Dan Campbell after the first press conference, and I know <laughs> people uh, people have their own opinions of it. And, um, you know, his 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 name kind of got dragged through the mud a little bit there um, in terms of, you know, the national media and, you know, kind of using him as the poster child of um, how the Rooney rule is, you know, kind of just a farce. And I I don't think that anything could be further from the truth. Like I think Dan Campbell is 100% head coaching material and you look at the rest of the staff. It's not going to surprise me if Aaron Glenn is a head coach sooner rather than later. It's it's not going to shock me if Deuce Staley is the head coach sooner rather than later. So, I mean, he's I mean, he's got an awesome staff that he's put together. But just hearing the words, the Lions have hired Dan Campbell. It was like, you mean Matt Campbell? <laughs> and I mean, it, it all came about relatively quickly. Like we were talking quick. about all these candidates and, and like Marvin Lewis was even thrown in there for a while. I don't know if they ever really interviewed him, but I just remember, like, I think it happened on a Friday. Todd Bowles and there was someone else canceled their interviews. And then it was like, oh, oh, either the Lions have not done as much research as we, we thought they were going to do or they've made a decision. And it was it was kind of scary at that point because I, I we were all talking about how much of a due diligence they were doing. And and as far as I know, Dan Campbell is the only guy that they interviewed twice. Right. I think I think that's right. Yeah. So. There, there was a, a fair amount of skepticism at that point and, and fair skepticism. And, and maybe it's fair to continue to have that skepticism some, since, you know, he hasn't really done anything yet other than, you know, bringing, like we said, a, a, what we believe to be a really good coaching staff, which is a big in, accomplishment in and of itself. But the wins and losses aren't there yet. So we'll, we'll kind of wait and see. Um, I'm going to stick with Dan Campbell here. And <laughs> people might not like this, but I... I started to hit the panic button a little bit while on vacation, mind you, uh, listening to the uh, what's the name of the podcast? The the pardon, pardon my take podcast. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Dan Campbell goes on there. They ask him. It's it's the fourth quarter. There's four minutes left. You're down by 14. You score a touchdown. Are you going for two? Now, if you don't know, common, it's now kind of become commonplace due to some analytics to say go for two here the reasoning i could get into it if if you really want to know the numbers just search you know going for two down 14 you'll you'll find it on google but analytics say it makes a lot of sense to go for it dan campbell said nope kicking an extra point and then he went off to say all the things that every coach says when they're going against what analytics say which is well it depends on what happens it depends on the scenario it depends on how we look yes analytics takes all that into consideration. Analytics knows all that things. And and then some people are like, well, he knew about it and he explained himself and it made me feel better. Well, to me, it's no. He knew it. He knew what the right answer was and he still said, no, I'm going to go against the analytics and do it my way. This has been my concern. One of my bigger concerns about Dan Campbell from the start is that he's a little too stuck in old school thinking. He says it all the time. Now, he, he does also say, like, you know, become more aggressive since I've worked with Sean Payton. But he's not there yet. He's not where I want to be there yet. And, and granted, a lot of NFL coaches aren't there. Most NFL coaches probably aren't where I want them to be because I'm kind of way at the extreme of analytics. But the one thing that Dan Campbell is not going to really be delegating this year is on-field decisions like this. And to be clear, 
this specific decision, I'm not that worried about. It doesn't come about that often, and when you're down 14 with four minutes left, you're probably not going to win that game most times anyways. It's more the overall philosophy that, that this is showing, which is Dan Campbell will play with his heart more than his brain, and that's what I'm afraid of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fair. I, I hope that the Lions are down. It's weird to say this, but I hope the Lions are down 14 week one. <laughs> And Dan Campbell gets a chance to totally redeem himself. <laughs> he won't. He won't. He said he won't. Competitive <laughs> advantage, Jeremy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Two left here. Let's start with the most underrated offseason addition. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, Quentin Dunbar. I think that Quentin Dunbar is going to be a starting cornerback for the Detroit Lions. And I know a lot of people are gung-ho. They're excited about a potential pairing of a couple of young corners and Amani and Jeff Okuda. But I think the Lions signed Quentin Dunbar to come in here and be a starter. And here's the thing about Dunbar. He had an incredible season in Washington in 2019. Like, I mean, according to PFF rankings, he was he, he graded out as an 87.6 in that 2019 season. That was the second highest mark of any cornerback in the 2019 season. Dunbar had an awesome season. There were high, high expectations that they had for him going from Washington to Seattle. People were like, he's going to be an awesome scheme fit. He's going to do even better than he did in Washington. And then he had his worst season by PFF standards. A lot of things going on with Quentin Dunbar last season. One, off the field stuff uh, in terms of uh, legal issues. And the second one, injuries. So, I mean, you put those two things together. It's a lot of stuff to overcome, especially when you're not also considering, hey, it was COVID season. There's all those other obstacles you want to throw into the blender and just watch a season go right down the drain. So I have big hopes that Quentin Dunbar can bounce back and be more like his Washington self. Um, and, And a lot of that has to do with, you know, Aubrey Pleasant. A lot of that has to do with Aaron Glenn. A lot of that has to do with, the staff that the Lions have kind of assembled here. But I I think that Quentin Dunbar is going to be one of those signings that you look back and you're like, man, Brad Holmes knocked that out of the park in terms of his bargain bin, you know, searching that he did uh, this offseason. Yeah, I, I feel like I can't talk about the subject because I've already been pegged as the anti Amani Oruarie guy. And, and you are. And slating, slating Dunbar as a starter pretty much means that he's not going to be. And so... I'm just going to let you have that one on your own and, and give my own answer. <laughs> my answer is Tyrell Williams. I'm, I'm kind of sick of how much disrespect this line's wide receiving core is. It's not good, and it's, I'm certainly not one of the crazy fans that thinks this is somehow an upgrade, um, but Tyrell Williams is a 1,000-yard receiver. Like, he's mm-hmm. done it. If he can stay healthy, and I know, it's a big if. I threw out an if, and, and there's no guarantee that that's going to happen. He missed all of last season. He missed a couple games in 2019. But this guy... Pulls in 60, 70 receptions every year, every year. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he was, he was forced into a starting role in Oakland and, and wasn't his best season. But, I mean, Oakland's Oakland. They, they've got their own issues. He had his best years when he was with who? Chargers. Anthony, Anthony Lynn. Lynn. I, think, I think he can give you average wide receiver play, maybe slightly below average for a number one. And that's, I mean, that's not bad. Like, not everyone can be average or above. Literally half the team, half the league has to be below average. So lines will be below average, but I don't think they're going to be god-awful. I think, I think he has a chance to put up 800, 900, maybe cross over the 1,000-yard season again. Yeah, I, I think that he, if, if, if he's healthy, I think that you can almost take a 1,000-yard Tyrell Williams season to the bank. Like, I think that he's going to be that featured. Boom. I think that he's going to get that many opportunities because you, you, you kind of look at the rest of the roster. I will say that I, I know you said that people need to kind of pump the brakes on all the Lions wide receiver room slander. Yeah. But beyond Tyra Williams, I mean, you're talking about like guys who are literally rec- reclamation projects like Tyra sure. Williams at least has some stats to back it. Like you said, yeah. a thousand yard receiver one year, 60, 70 balls a year. I mean, Brashad Perryman has just been like injuries after injuries after Khalif Raymond. I mean, you're talking about guys that, you know, Quintez Cephas, Geronimo Allison. You're talking about a lot of guys who haven't really done a whole lot in this league. So, um, I, I mean, yeah, if, if, if 
Tyrell Williams does get injured again. Like, okay, now now Ooh. we're in the conversation. Now we're now we're talking about you know worst worst lines receiving core in a very long time. Very long, maybe ever, <laughs> maybe. But I mean, then you just dump the ball off to you know your your tight end or your running back, and 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 things are happy again. Can I quick sidebar of one of my favorite stories I've heard from school? So they had a play that they installed called um, it was a it was a tight end screen. So it was just like a tight end dump play. Sure. And the guy who was catching the pass, his nickname was Big Nasty. So they called it the Big Nasty Dump. That was the name of the play. <laughs> oh, boy. Thank you for that. I needed that imagery right before we, <laughs> right before I ate some dinner. Um <laughs> All At least right. I'm not getting Coney dogs. All right. <laughs> Final uh, superlative here. Most overrated offseason edition. Ryan, I, I don't understand what I'm reading here, so I need you to explain it. Okay. Uh, the most overrated offseason edition is the Lions coaching staff. What? I know. I know. It doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense, but we, I we, am starting. We just spent five minutes rating gushing. the hell out of it. I know, I know. I love every single hire that they've made. With that being said, coaches aren't going to turn this team into like a 500 team okay. this year. Okay. That, okay. So that's that's where the the coaching staff is a is a bit overrated. It's like like you need talent, you need players at the end of the day. You need guys who are established, who have done this stuff in this league before. The coaches can't go out there and play. I mean, they did at one point and maybe they could. Maybe at some point they need to they need to utilize the player coach. But I, I just think that people need to kind of temper their expectations. If this team isn't successful, I don't want to see that. I mean, context always matters, right? But if this team underperforms, like underperforms, I don't want that to be like a reflection of the coaching staff. Then. Right. Like, I don't want them to be like, well, I mean, this coaching staff was supposed to be so great. Why aren't the Lions good? Like, that's where I think that the coaching staff is kind of being overrated in the sense, like a grand scheme. Yeah. Well, yeah, no. And, and there are certainly fans out there like he's going to reclamate Deshaun Hand. He's going to reclamate Tracy Walker. He's going to reclamate Will Harris. He's going to reclamate J- Jelani Devai. Like everything on the defensive side is going to be fixed due to Aaron Glenn. All these players that that are destined right now to, to have a failed NFL career. He's going to turn them all around. That's, that's where I think you have a, a, a yeah. good point. It's like maybe maybe one or two of those. Maybe Tra- I think Tracy Walker probably has the best chance out of that group to actually become a, a, a good player. You know, even Jeff Okuda, obviously, who, you know, I wouldn't even say his career's in trouble at this point because we're only one year into it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think I think maybe I think now that you've put it into context, not that these are bad coaches, but that they aren't, you know, miracle workers. Exactly. That's a great way to that's a great way to phrase it. Uh, my most overrated offseason addition is undrafted free agents. The end. You guys, you guys love <laughs> undrafted free agents. A couple will make the team. None will have an impact this year. Uh, a positive impact. Get over it. <laughs> just Sorry. taking a bit. Just taking a big nasty dump on the UDFAs. <laughs> That's right. And we're gonna <laughs> leave it at that. That has been offseason superlatives. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the POD cast. We will be back live Friday sometime. Check Twitter to, to know when exactly that time will be to talk about Ifatu Melifanu with a Syracuse beat writer. We'll also be live on our locker room app Saturday mornings. Again, check Twitter to see what time that will be. Which we have heard they are doing a little beta for the Android users That's out right. there. Uh, I don't exactly know where to find that, but Android users, users look out for the Locker Room beta app where you could potentially join us. Uh, follow Pride of Detroit on the Locker Room app and join us Saturday mornings for those live Q&As. But until next time, I'm Jeremy Reisman. That over there is Ryan Matthews. Thank you for listening. It's chaos. Be kind.
first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, mom. No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.